So, Joshua chapter 22. Uh, uh, we'll just uh, go from there. What's that? I did. <laughs> Stupid as on. <laughs> uh, I can't imagine what's going over the airways with this. <laughs> Who's stupid? <laughs> uh, so we, we, we come to this place. Uh, the land's been divided. Uh, the, the war has, has ceased. The land's been divided. Uh, and part of the tribes have gone back home. Uh, and we're going to see the issues that come before them. But uh, even more than that, because uh, that's pretty plain and simple. But, but I think... Uh, uh, is the Lord dealt with me during the midst of this just to see uh, where my heart goes uh, in two different areas, in those that were uh, behind the lines and those that were in the front here. And you'll see what I mean in a minute. Uh, but it says, Joshua called the Reubenites and the Gadites and the half-tribe of Manasseh. Remember, they're on the, the east side of the Jordan. They're on that place where they're... Uh, on the other side of the Jordan, not into Israel, but, but right next to the river, right next to the Jordan River. Uh, and he said unto them, You have kept all that Moses, the servant of the Lord, commanded you, and you have obeyed my voice in all that I have commanded you. You have not left your brethren these many days unto this day, but have kept the charge of the commandment of the Lord your God. So uh, for seven years they've been fighting battles, while their families and everybody else has been on the other side of the Jordan. Uh, and so he says, you, you've kept, you, you haven't left us, you've done well. And, and now the Lord your God has given you rest unto your brethren as he promised them. Therefore now return ye and get ye uh, unto your tents and unto the land of your possessions, which Moses, the servant of the Lord, gave you on the other side of the Jordan. But take diligent heed to do the commandment and the law which Moses, the servant of the Lord, charged you uh, to love the Lord your God uh, and to walk in all his ways and to keep his commandments and to cleave to him and to serve him with all your heart and with all your soul. So Joshua blessed them and they went away and they went under their tents. Uh, so uh, we've got this picture. They've been fighting for seven years. Uh, a little bit over seven years, and now he's sending them back home, sending them back to their possessions, to their ways. Remember, the other side of the Jordan was not the favored side. It was, it was still in the land of the enemy. Uh, they didn't come all the way in to take possession of what God had given them. Uh, it wasn't because there was a, a lack of space. Uh, it was a lack of heart. Uh, and we're going to see what that lack of heart does uh, to a person. But in verse 5, uh, he tells them, take diligent heed. This isn't just a, something that, that was rehearsed and that he said, uh, I think for, for them, uh, for me, for you, uh, it, it's a warning. <laughs> take diligent heed. Don't just take heed to the things that are going on, but be diligent in your heeding of the things of the Lord as you walk during this life. Uh, uh, and he tells them the, these five things. First, he wants them to love the Lord their God, uh, which for us, it, it sounds kind of strange. You know, we're, we're in church. Why would we need to love the Lord our God? <laughs> because that's a constant daily thing that's going to happen for you and I. The first thing we need to do is to love the Lord our God every day. To have a love in there with him every single day because if we don't then we fall away so quickly uh, we, we see it happen in the ways of the world we see it happen with relationships uh, and so it's an important thing for you and I to keep that love of our God first and foremost in our hearts and in our lives uh, and then what follows it is if we love the Lord our God then we're going to walk so before all of these it says to love to walk to keep, uh, to cleave, to serve. All those things are, are something that, that have to have direction in our lives and purpose in our lives. We need to really almost prepare ourselves to do these things. Uh, in, in doing those things, we're going to keep ourselves in the love of God and we're going to keep ourselves pure in those ways 
that would otherwise falter uh, and sometimes fall. So he says to love the Lord your God, and then the progression starts. If we love God, we're going to walk in all his ways. <laughs> and that's going to be an easier thing than if we try and walk in the ways of the Lord without loving him. And that's hard. <laughs> uh, we see it in relationships that are here in this world, husbands and wives. If they haven't prepared their hearts to love their spouses, to walk in those ways, then it's hard for them to walk in love towards them. Uh, really, the heart has to be prepared. And, and that first place is to love the Lord our God, uh, to walk in all his ways, and then uh, to keep his commandments, to keep the things that he's told us, not because we have to, but because we want to. Uh, and what a difference that is when we can walk in the commandments of God w without doing it because we have to. It's Sunday, I got to go to church. I'm so excited I can't stand myself. <laughs> you know, we just sit there and go, really? <laughs> if this is the best it gets, I'm done with you, Lord. Really? Oh, and how sad that is. But we see it. If we can do this, then we can have relationships with others in the world that, that will be just as fruitful and just as encouraging. But it has to come to God first and then to everybody else. You know, it's that vertical, horizontal relationships that, that we have to keep. Uh, and again, not because we have to, but because that's going to be the best for us in all the, these places. Uh, to walk in all his ways, to keep his commandments, not just to keep, but that word keep is to guard. It's to garrison about, to put a, a, a holy battlement around those things uh, because they're that important for us. Uh, and we can't let the ways of the world discourage us from those things. Uh, and the enemy has certainly so many ways to discourage us, doesn't he? Physical ways, spiritual ways, emotional ways, all those things that come against us. And he says, I, I want you in that place where you can walk in the truth of that. Um, so keep his commandments and then to cleave to him. Uh, it tells us certainly in Genesis... Uh, to leave our father and mother, to cleave to our spouses. Uh, but, but first we need to cleave to the Lord. Lord, you, you've got to be first in my life. You've got to be first, the first of the first of my relationships. Uh, because if I can't do that with you, I certainly am not going to be able to do it with anybody else. Yes, Indy. Uh-huh. And it's wonderful that it keeps it all the way through Scripture to keep telling us, to keep reminding us. Because <laughs> we need those reminders. <laughs> You'd think we'd learn. Uh, but, but to cleave to him and then to serve him. So this progression that we see, we love, we walk, we keep, we cleave, we serve. And notice that serving is, is last. It's not that it's not important. But we aren't going to be able to serve with a right heart and in a right attitude if we don't have all these other things first. And, you know, it's just like our kids, you know, we keep cleaning up after our kids. Uh, you know, we go, why don't you learn? <laughs> and the Lord looks at us and goes, why don't you learn? <laughs> oh, <laughs> I suppose it comes all the way down through the line. Uh, uh, to serve him, to be servants. And really, that's a place that most people, even in churches, I'm afraid to say, don't want to go to. We don't want to be servants. We want to be people that the church looks up to. We want to be people that the world looks up to instead of being servants. Because that means we got to be humble. <laughs> and the world has taught us, you don't need to be humble. You need to be proud of yourself. Because you, you, you've attained, you've made. And look at how the, the school system is even tearing that down because there are no valedictorians and salutatorians anymore because we don't want anybody to feel bad. 
the whole impetus behind it is to encourage people to go further and to try harder and to keep working those ways so that they can attain those things. And, and we can with the Lord. No trophies for school races anymore because everybody gets a trophy. <laughs> Just really? Are, are we really trying then to be in that place? Or are we just trying to just be in, in a place where people can see us? There, there's no humbleness in that. There, there's no, uh, I, I can't do that. There, there's no, Lord, I need your help anymore. And that's all that it's doing. It's going to tear that down that we're not looking for, to the Lord for help because we're okay the way that we are. No, we're not. <laughs> You're a dirty, rotten sinner. <laughs> And I can say that because I'm looking at you. But there, there's how many of you looking at me going, hmm? <laughs> so you got it made, really. <laughs> so, so it says that Joshua blessed them and sent them away, and they went to their tents. Now, the one half of the tribe of Manasseh, Moses had given possession in Bashan, uh, but under the other half, therefore, gave Joshua among the brethren on this side of the Jordan westward. And when Joshua sent them away also into their tents, then he blessed them. So the two and a half tribes are going. Uh, and he spake unto them, saying, Return with much riches unto your tents, and with very much cattle and silver and gold and brass and iron and very much raiment, divide the spoil of your enemies with your brethren." <laughs> and there's uh, scriptures that, that really go along with this. Uh, David did the same thing, and, and really some of the soldiers were upset with him. He said, I want you to divide the spoil with those that stayed behind to guard the stuff. And they go, what? They didn't do anything. All they did was sit there and guard stuff. They were lazy. They didn't come across the river with us. <laughs> uh, there's just as much honor and just as much reward for those staying behind to guard the stuff as there are for those that are out in the front lines. That's why when we send missionaries and we pray for them, there's just as much blessing for those that are sending as there is for those that are going and doing. Because we all don't have the same gifts. We all don't have this, the same ability to be able to get out there and do stuff. Uh, I'm, I'm just looking now at my age, I don't want to fly in a plane for 14 hours and go back somewhere. I would if the Lord said it's time to go, but boy, it would take me a whole week just to recoup from that anymore. You know, what good am I going to be for a week just laying in, in a bed? You know, just, ah, uh, you know, I'll be groaning in the spirit, but for the wrong reason. Uh, but he says, divide the spoil, take it back and then divide it. And can you imagine? The heart that's there. What's he doing to the hearts? Okay, what are you really going to do with it? Are you going to divide it? Or are you going to keep it? Ugh. <laughs> the heart issues that come to, come to be. Uh, and so the children of Reuben and the children of Gad and the half-tribe of Manasseh returned and departed uh, from the children of Israel out of Shiloh. Remember that place where the presence of the Lord was? It was in Shiloh till Samuel when when they, uh, when they David changed it and brought it to Jerusalem, uh, which is the land of Canaan, to go into the country of Gilead, to the land of their possessions, whereof they possessed, according to the word of the Lord by the hand of Moses. And when they came into the borders of Jordan, they are in the land of Canaan, and the children of Reuben, the children of Gad, and the half-tribe of Manasseh built there an altar by Jordan, a great altar to see. Uh, we see, I don't know how many times it says, by the, it, I've ordained this by the hand of Moses. Uh, and people wonder, you know, well, why did he ordain it if it wasn't the right place? Well, sometimes the Lord gives us things not because it's the best for us, but it's because that's what we want and we're going to do it no matter what. Mm. And so it, it wasn't necessarily by the hand of Moses. It was just because the Lord gave Moses the grace to say, okay, you can do what you want, but it's not going to be the best. Just like the Lord says with our free will, we, and we certainly have free will. We, we fight with it every day. You can do it, but it's not going to be the best for you. You can do it, but you enter into those places and it's going to taint your whole relationship with the Lord. 
He says, but you can do it. Well, I'm strong enough to handle it, Lord. He goes, oh boy. <laughs> the whole Jewishness comes up, oy vey. You know, you just kind of sit there and look at it. And our kids do the same thing, don't we? I can do it. I can. Really? <laughs> I hope you can because I tried and I know I can't. Your mother tried and I know she can't. Yeah, we're doing that with our granddaughter now. You really want to do this? Yeah. <laughs> it's not going to be good for you. Oh, I can do it. I can handle both, really. <laughs> hey, and we know the results, don't we? But the encouragement is there. Uh, the place of support is there. And it's not that God leaves us or forsakes us, but he, he knows that the best for us is not to go to those places. Does that mean he's going to abandon us? No. Uh, but it means that, that we're going to take him to places that, that the Lord doesn't really want to be. Mm. And, and the more we enter into it, the more we give into the flesh instead of obedience, the more we see that we're just walking uh, with a double-minded heart. We're double-minded, we're, we're double-hearted, <laughs> if you would. We're in that place where half of it wants to be in the world and the other half wants to walk with the Lord. And he said, you can't do it. You can't serve God and mammon. And, and isn't the last thing that we do is serve. After we love, after we cleave, after we obey, after we walk, after we do all those things, the last thing is to serve. But we won't come to the place of serving because we're so mixed that, that we can't offer that and we get burnt out. And, and so he says, uh, you go and do, and, and they went and did. <laughs> and they get across the border, and what's the first thing that they do? They build an altar. And we see, well, that's not a bad thing. It's not a bad thing if it's offered up to the Lord. But what did the Lord tell them to do? To go to Shiloh and to worship there. What are they doing? They're building an altar in a different place and saying, we're okay because now we have this. And we don't have to go and do what the Lord said. They're already, they're already compromising. And we'll see it in just a second here. Uh, so they build a great altar. Uh, and the children of Israel heard it. The ones on the east side of the Jordan heard of it. And they said, the, behold, the children of Reuben, the children of Gad, the half-tribe of Manasseh, have built an altar over against the land of Canaan and the borders of Jordan at the passage of the children of Israel. And when the children of Israel heard of it, the whole congregation of the children of Israel gathered together uh, themselves to go up to war against them. And the children of Israel sent unto the children of Reuben and to the children of Gad, to the half-tribe of Manasseh, into the land of Gilead, Phinehas, the son of Eleazar, the priest, and with him ten princes of each, of, excuse me, of each chief house, a prince, throughout all the tribes of Israel. And each one was the head of a house of their fathers among the thousands of Israel. So they build this altar, uh, and instantly Israel sees it. Remember, they've been at war for all these years. They, they've been at war dividing the land. They've been at war with the ones that are in their land. Uh, and all of a sudden, an altar pops up. And they go, oh boy. <laughs> and so we've got this side uh, that's going on, and we're going to see our hearts in both sides. We've got two different places that we're going to go to today, hopefully, if we can get there. Um, but, but there's four mistakes that the people of Israel are going to make, and these are mistakes that you and I make. So we can't point fingers at the children of Israel and say, you dumb people, because what we're doing is saying, I'm a dumb person, because <laughs> I do the exact same thing. So they're, they're, they're having division that's coming up, First, uh, on Israel's side, we're going to talk about the two and a half tribes that are on the other side, certainly, but we're talking about the people of Israel now, the whole group of believers that are on the right side of Israel in mistakes that they make, because we make mistakes too. And so we've got to own up to those things, but we've got to see what they are so that we can protect our hearts and minds from those things. First thing is that they're going to divide all the people of Israel, because they heard something. Instead of checking it out 
and going to see it and going to take care of it and make sure it is what they're hearing that they they have heard that it was instead of going and doing that they're just going by hearsay and, and they're dividing instead of being of one accord of one heart one mind and so there's division because of something they've heard and it happens all the time we hear something about somebody that that's in ministry and we go oh man I can't believe they did that. They were such a good teacher and they were such a they had such a good ministry. I can't believe they went and did something stupid like that. But instead of us checking it out, we're just doing it by hearsay. We're causing division. Even if it's just us and them, there's division because if you're divided against somebody and somebody comes up to you in the body and says, "Oh, I just love this person." You're going to say, "Oh, no, no. Don't do that because this is what they did." Oh, did you check it out? No, I heard it. <laughs> and they're going to go, oh. <laughs> we need to check things out, don't we? They didn't do it. The second thing is, in verse 12, what are they doing? They have heard this thing that's going on, and what are they doing? They're going to war. Ha-ha! <laughs> we got our battle armament on, and we're out for blood now. These are your brothers and sisters, and you're out for blood. They're ready for war. They gathered the whole people of Israel to come to war with something that they just heard. Instead of coming to make peace, to hear that there's something wrong in the camp, they're coming for war to kill them. Isn't that sad? I don't know about you, but, but the Lord put me in, in the place of it this week to think, well, what have you done with your issues? Should I come to war against you or do you want me to come and restore you? And it's just like, oh my goodness, what have I done to people? And I don't know how many people I've hacked their ears off and I've hacked their throats to pieces and cut out their hearts and caused damage to them. Uh, that I shouldn't have done, that I didn't have to do. Instead of trying to restore him, I, I killed him. And what does the Lord say? If you've killed him in your heart, you've committed murder. Just, oh, Lord, how many people have I murdered? Instead of just being that, that one that restores and, and brings peace and brings hope. The second thing they did, they, they were ready for war. Uh, so the third thing then, down in, in verse uh, 16, as we get to there, this is the third thing that they've done. Then the whole congregation of the, children, uh, of the Lord, what trespass is this that you have committed against the God of Israel to turn away this day from following the Lord and that you have built an altar that you might rebel this day against the Lord? There's division because they're using the Lord's name, they're using the Lord's character in a wrong way. They're saying God you're against this just as much as we are. So what are they trying to do? They're trying to get God on their side. <laughs> God, we're, we're causing division, but we want you to be on our side, not their side. Okay? <laughs> yeah, Cindy. Yeah, we do. <laughs> well, you do maybe, but... <laughs> okay, we do. All right. Uh, I noticed she was pointing fingers. I don't know. Uh, so, so they're trying to get the Lord to, to agree with them and what they're thinking instead of seeking the Lord's heart and saying, Lord, what is your heart in this? They're, they're saying, Lord, you're on our side, so we're against them, and you're with us. Oh. Remember when Joshua... Uh, was just about ready to come in uh, to Israel and, and beat the land. He went up uh, and he saw somebody there with a sword. And he said, who are you for? You for us or you for them? Are you with us or against us? And the Lord said, no. <laughs> what do you mean? No, I'm not for you. I'm not against you. I'm for all of this because I'm here to have my will accomplished. And we think there's only two choices. And he says, no, there's a third. 
in Israel saying the same thing. You're for us, aren't you, Lord? And you're against them. He goes, no, I'm for all of this to come together the right way. Oh, and sometimes we come out for battle instead of coming out for peace. Just the, the wrong things that are going on, the wrong attitudes of the heart, but it's certainly a natural thing that goes on because we do that, don't we? Oh. Uh, and so the third thing is that they're using the Lord's name in a wrong way, uh, kind of like Job's friends. We're here to represent God, Job, and you've sinned. <laughs> and he looks at him and says, you guys are miserable counselors. You aren't helping me a bit here. <laughs> And we do that. And we need to be so careful. And, and so he goes on and he says, is the iniquity of, in verse 17 of PR too little for us from the which uh, we are not cleansed until this day? So they're, they're rehearsing some of the things that have gone wrong in the past and, and just bringing them to light and saying, this is really what's going on. And it's not that at all. Uh, is the iniquity of Peor too little for us from which we are not cleansed unto this day, although there was a plague in the congregation of the Lord, but that you must turn away this day from following the Lord. You're, you're turning away from following the Lord. No such thing going on yet, but certainly the heart is turning. We'll see that in a bit. And it will be seeing you rebel today against the Lord that tomorrow he will be wroth with the whole congregation of Israel. <laughs> because of what you're doing, it's going to cause sin to come upon us, and, and we're going to get clobbered by the Lord because you're doing something wrong. Oh, Notwithstanding, if the land of your possession be unclean. Uh, um, uh, so the fourth thing here is we see from, from verses 19 and 20, we're, we're going to see what that is. Notwithstanding, if the land of your possession be unclean, then pass ye over into the land of the possession of the Lord, wherein the Lord's tabernacle dwells, and take possession among us. But don't rebel against the Lord, nor, nor rebel against us in building you an altar besides the altar of the Lord our God. So really what they're doing is they're bearing false witness against them. Oh, and how often do we do that? Oh, Lord help us. Did not Achan, the son of Zerah, commit a trespass in the accursed thing, and wrath fell upon all the congregation of Israel, and all that man, or the, and that man perished, uh, not alone in his iniquity. So bringing up these things, and certainly it's good to remember these things, but to do it in a right way and not a wrong way. Uh, so now we're going to flip the sides. We're going to go over to the side of uh, Reuben and Gad and the half-tribe of Manasseh and see what they're doing. And again, there's four things here, but there's also four things that we do in our own hearts. So we can take example from both sides <clears throat> and see how wrong those things are. Because really what, what's going on here that the enemy would want to do is for us to pick one side or the other and say, yeah, they're right, or and yeah, they're wrong, or, or vice versa. But what the Lord is, is really saying is, you're both wrong. You're not doing what I've commanded you. He just, in verse 5, love the Lord your God, walk in his ways, keep his commandments, cleave to him, serve him. <laughs> and both sides went completely bonkers and went the wrong way with all of them. <laughs> Lord, I do that. Uh, this has been a hard chapter for me, sorry. Uh, so you're going to have to suffer. Uh, so, so then the children of Reuben and the children of Gad and the half-tribe of Manasseh answered and said unto the heads of the thousands of Israel, <clears throat> the Lord God of gods, the Lord God of gods, he knows. And Israel, he shall know if he be in rebellion or if he be in transgression against the Lord, save us not this day. <laughs> so what he's really saying is, don't judge me. I know you've never said that. <laughs> but we hear people all the time, don't we? <laughs> don't judge me, you sinner. <laughs> Usually that's what we add with it. <laughs> You're just as bad as I am. Your sin's just as bad as mine, so don't go judging me. And isn't that what they're saying? Ugh. So the first thing is, don't judge us, which is a place that we really can't go to. Lord, I want you to judge me. I want you to show me where my heart is. 
I, I don't want to be in rebellion against the people that are bringing an accusation against me. Uh, and people have brought accusations against us a lot. But you know what? You really have to sit down and say, Lord, I probably have done that. That's probably been an issue in my heart, so forgive me and help me. And that's taken a long time. Because you can get really mad at people and have the Lord deal with you for years and years before you finally get it right and say, you know what, I probably did do that. I probably was wrong. And that's hard. Thank you. <laughs> Strike that from the tape. We don't want that going out over the airwaves. <laughs> Billy's wife said, yes, you did. <laughs> and, and we do, don't we? We, we? we do those things. Lord, help me. Help me in that. We don't want to point at the Democrats or Republicans. We don't want to point at the liberals or the conservatives. We don't want to point at the Tories or the, the whoever's and, and say, you know, all those fingers are going all over the place and none of them are pointing at us. They're all pointing at everybody else. They're so rotten it makes me upset. Well, yeah, they are. <laughs> but it shouldn't make us upset. What it should make us do is pray. It should bring us to a place of repenting for what we've done so that we can get things right with God, so that we can serve in a better way for everybody else. You who are spiritual, restore such a one. Scripture is going to tell us in the New Testament. Oh, really, Lord? I don't want to restore him. I want to hammer him. I want to beat him up because it makes me feel really good to know that I'm better than they are. <laughs> uh. And he goes, oh boy, we got a long ways to go. We got, we got 100 miles of heart to deal with you. <laughs> I'm going to peel this away one layer at a time until you get it right. Uh, so don't judge us. That, that we have built an altar, verse 23, to turn from following the Lord or, or if to offer thereon burnt offering or meat offering or to offer peace offerings thereon, let the Lord himself require it. Uh, and if we have not rather done it for the fear of this thing, saying in time to come to your children might, or to in time to come your children might speak unto our children, saying, What have you to do with the Lord God of Israel? For the Lord hath made Jordan a border between us and you, you children of Reuben and you children of Gad. You have no part in the Lord, so shall your children make our children cease from fearing the Lord. So we've got a couple things going on in this verse. And the first one is, it's the Lord's fault. The Lord made a border with Jordan. It's his fault that he put that river there. <laughs> it's God's fault that he put that tree in the Garden of Eden. It's not our fault that we went up and ate it after he told us not to. It's God's fault. Oh. We're all there, we know. This, the third thing then, in the last part of verse 25, so shall your children make our children cease from fearing the Lord. It's going to be your kid's fault that we, we sin. Really? <laughs> My kid's okay, but your kid is a rotten mess. I hate to tell you. <laughs> really? Oh boy, uh, we're blaming others. First, the, the first thing, uh, don't judge us. Second thing, it's God's fault. Third thing, we're blaming others because we're entering into sin. It, it's everybody else's fault. It's my husband's fault. If he was better, I wouldn't have to sin. <laughs> Never mind. Don't even go there. <laughs> I'm not even going to look up and look. <laughs> Therefore, we said, let us now prepare to build an altar. Uh, so in verses 26 to 28, we see the fourth thing that's going to go on. We're going to worship the way that we want to. Instead of the prescribed way that God has said. Oh, and it all starts with don't judge us because we're okay. Mm. And look at the progression that comes. It's just awful. Uh, but it may be a witness between us and you and our generations after us that we might do the service of the Lord before him with our burnt offerings, with our sacrifices, with our peace offerings, 
that your children may not say to our children in time to come, you have no part with the Lord. Uh, it, it tells us this in, in Hebrews 10, uh, verse 25. Uh, I'll just read it to you for time's sake. Uh, Don't forsake the assembling of ourselves together. We, we hear this verse all the time, especially with COVID here. Don't forsake the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another in so much more as you see the day approaching. As you see the day approaching and, and people are, are encouraged to stay separated and stay apart instead of coming together, uh, they're, they're, they're staying apart for so many different reasons. And not one of them is so that we can get better at humbling ourselves before the Lord. Mm. Yeah. Well, I can't go to church because I got hurt. Guess what? Every church that you go to, 100% of the people there are sinners that are going to hurt you. And, and it doesn't matter if you think that that church is going to be better than the church that you're in. Well, I got hurt at that church, so I'm going to this church. If God hasn't told you to leave, then we're in sin for leaving. And God's going to deal with that issue. He, he's certainly going to deal with them if they've caused you to leave. But he's going to deal with your heart because you left for a wrong reason. Mm. Yeah. And that is so hard, isn't it? Because when we get hurt, what's the first thing that we want to do? We want to close ourselves in and we want to separate from that hurt. Because it hurts too much to hold on to it, to see it face to face. And boy, sometimes we have to be men and women enough and, and pull up our pants enough to say, Okay, Lord, help me to deal with this and let me go before him. Oh. Or we could just say, Lord, forget about it. We'll deal with it in heaven. <laughs> it ain't going to happen. Uh, uh, so uh, there's that place there that, that we have to be in. Therefore, we said, verse 28, that it shall be that when they should say so unto us and to our generations in time to come, that we may say again, behold, the pattern of the altar of the Lord, which our fathers made, uh, not for burnt offerings and not for sacrifices, uh, but it is a witness between you and me. Uh, uh, and again, we come to that verse. I, I've quoted it once. I've quoted, I paraphrased it. I didn't quote it, but Galatians 6, 1, Brethren, if a man be overtaken in a fault, you which are spiritual, restore such a one. Notice, in the spirit, not in your flesh. Restore one in, your, in the spirit. That means you need to be led by the spirit. You can't say, I'm, gonna, I'm here to restore you and slap them. <laughs> it doesn't work. <laughs> we restore them in the Spirit because the Holy Spirit doesn't slap you and I around when we fall into sin. And so why should we represent God like that to slap around people that don't need to be slapped around? They need to be encouraged. Considering yourself that you could be tempted in the same way that they are. The ones that we slap around are going to be the ones that come around and slap us around when we fall into sin. And we go, oh, this isn't working out too well. Everybody's just slapping each other. Instead of restoring each other, we're just beating on each other. And the church does that. We beat on each other. You know, what, what, what a, a place we have to come to where we can be humble enough to say, you're right. Oh, and that is so hard. <laughs> and so uh, we built this as, as a witness between us and you it's a witness that we're okay God forbid that we should rebel against the Lord and, and turn this day from following the Lord but what's really happening is that's exactly what they're doing because they are going to be the first tribes to be taken away in judgment to Assyria they're going to be the first ones to go out of all of Israel. Certainly all of Israel entered into sin, and eventually all of Israel was taken, but these were the first ones. The others had a chance, more of a chance to repent and to turn because their hearts were just a little bit better and had a little bit more grace of God there before they were taken away. It doesn't say that their hearts were any better. It's just that they had stayed 
focused a little bit longer than some of the others. But wouldn't it be better for everybody involved if we all stayed focused? And certainly that's, that's what I'm here for is to encourage that. And that's what the Lord wants to do in me is to encourage that in me so that we can help each other in it. And as we stand strong in those things, it's a lot easier to stand alongside of people and say, yeah, that, that's right, that's the way that we want to go, rather than trying to do it on your own, isn't it? <laughs> God forbid that we should turn against the Lord. We already are. <laughs> From day one, we turn against the Lord. Look at how long it took Adam and Eve to sin. Two chapters. <laughs> Whoa, but you know what the trouble is? We didn't even make it through one chapter. <laughs> when Moses came down the mountain with the commandments, how long did it take the people of Israel to break the commandments? They broke it while he was carrying the commandments down the hill. <laughs> In fact, while God was writing them, he said, Hey, Mo, guess what? You need to take these commandments, get down the hill, because they're in sin. <laughs> and he brings those commandments down the mountain, throws them down, and breaks them. You've already broken them. This is just the physical part of what you've already done spiritually. Oh, it doesn't take us long to sin. It takes us a long time to get restored and, and to restore. It takes a lot longer to get back to center than it does to stay in center. Mm. And I'm talking to me, so... Uh, again, you're suffering from my sin. So, uh, And when Phineas, pray for my wife because she has to do it all the time with me. Uh, when Phineas, the priests and the princes of the congregation, the heads of the thousands of Israel which were with him, heard the words of the children of Reuben, the children of Gad, the children of Manasseh spoke, it pleased them. They were okay with this. This is an altar that you made. Okay, you, you're okay. We're not going to come to war against you. And, and we think the whole chapter is okay, but we see the heart in the midst of it as you go through it and you go, things aren't okay. There's always room for improvement. We're not going to be those perfect Christians. Uh, and remember, th there's groups of people out there who say that once you get saved, the holiness people that you're holy, you're perfectly holy, and you will never sin again once you get saved. I haven't found one person. <laughs> I don't care what church you go to, that ain't true. <laughs> We're in constant need till the day that we go home and, and the Lord brings those new bodies to us and we have the mind of Christ that we're going to have to deal with sin from each other and with each other and in ourselves. And we really need to learn how to do that and how to be discerning in the midst of it to go the right way and, and to restore our brothers and sisters and to help. Uh, <clears throat> and so they're okay with it. It pleased them. <laughs> and Phinehas, this man of God who, who stayed uh, the plague of Israel in the camp once, uh, is going to go away from this and everything's going to be okay except his heart's already going too. Phinehas, the son of Eleazar the priest, uh, said unto the children of Reuben, to the children of Gad, to the children of Manasseh, this day we perceive that the Lord is among us uh, because you have not committed this trespass against the Lord. Now you have delivered the children of Israel out of the hand of the Lord uh, for their part in this. And Phinehas, the son of Eleazar, the priest, and the princes returned from the children of Reuben, the children of Gad. Uh, you, you think we'd learn who they are by now. Uh, and from the children of Gilead, under uh, the land of Gilead, under the land of Canaan, to the children of Israel, and brought them word again. And the thing pleased the children of Israel, and the children of Israel blessed God, and did not intend to go up against them in battle to destroy the land wherein the children of Reuben and Gad dwelt. And the children of Reuben said uh, to, or, or excuse me, the children of Reuben and the children of Gad called the altar Ed. <laughs> you think we could have come up with a better name than that? <laughs> I mean, you got these 14-letter cities and you come up with Ed. <laughs> There's one. <laughs> I got one right today, it's Ed. 
for it shall be a witness between us that the Lord is God. Uh, but the trouble is, and, and again, we, we go to these places and we start thinking about these things, and, and all of a sudden we realize that it sounds good, doesn't it? It, it sounds right, but already there's something wrong with it. Uh, you don't have to hold your place here because we're not coming back because we're out of time. Uh, but uh, uh, we'll hit the next chapter next time. But go with me to John thirteen thirty five. Uh, hmm. Hmm. And let me read this to you, too. There, there's a warning in Proverbs 18. Uh, uh, and it says in verse 13, He that answereth a matter before he hears it, it is folly and shame unto him. Mm. What they were doing was folly and shame. But in John 13, uh, look at verse 35, uh, just for time's sake. Uh, nah, let's go to 34. We don't... Heck with time. Uh, it says, A new commandment I give unto you, that you love one another as I have loved you, uh, and that you love one another. So he's talking about this love relationship between believers and other believers. He's talking about that relationship between God and us. Uh, this commandment that I give unto you, only one commandment, and we break it all the time, that you love one another as I have loved you, uh, that you also love one another. By this shall all men know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. But do you see the difference between what the Lord is saying to people here? Why didn't he tell them, go build an altar, name it Ed, and everything will be okay with everybody? He says, by an altar, you're going to know that, that you have love for God. <clears throat> and I hate to tell you, but there's altars all over the place that has no meaning that we love God or that he loves us. There's altars everywhere. Jesus said, if you have love for one another, that's going to show the world that everything's okay with us and you and, and between God and us. Hmm. He's not looking for you to go out and build an altar and to name it Ed and to show the church that everything's okay. Otherwise, we'd, we'd have 120 altars sitting on the chairs in there. <laughs> what we have, hopefully, is people in there who love one another and the world sees it and goes, they have a relationship with God. It wasn't because the altars are there. It's because love is there. Because the love of God is what? Shed abroad in our hearts. And that bears witness for us that God loves us and that we love him. And it bears witness to one another that we have a love relationship with the Lord. It's not an altar. It's a relationship. We see Abraham building altars, but what was he doing with those altars? He was worshiping because there was no place that the Lord had set yet for him to go into worship. And so he built an altar. But he didn't stay there all the time, did he? He kept going and kept moving until he, it tells us in Hebrews that he was looking for a city that, that wasn't made with hands, that was made by the Lord. Oh, he had a love relationship with the Lord that he worshiped everywhere he went until he gets home to be with the Lord. And then he has that permanent place of worship where that, that love can be expressed back and forth. And, and we don't have a perfect love. I don't have a perfect love for you. <laughs> I pray for you. But sometimes my heart goes to places that it should not go with you. It's just a natural thing. If you cut me off on the expressway, I'm going to love you in a whole different way than, than I do while you're here listening to the word. <laughs> but when we get home, it's going to be that perfect relationship, isn't it? And it's going to be that perfect place of love that's expressed. But while we're here, we can love the Lord our God as much as we can in this natural state that will keep his commandments, that will walk with him, that will cleave to him, 
and that we'll serve him as best we can in these places. But the Lord always is looking for us to go forward. Forgetting those things that are behind, we press towards the mark of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. That's the mark. That's the standard. The standard is, is not what the world sets up or for what a certain church sets up. It's the Lord Jesus. And that standard never gets dumbed down. It stays the same always. And so our encouragement, I guess, today is that we would just continue to press towards that mark and continue to press towards that way that would be perfectly right, not what sounds right, but what is right. And we know that he's the only one that's right. So keep going. Be encouraged. You're doing good. <laughs> you're hanging in there. You're walking with the Lord. You're born again. You're, you're walking in the Spirit. You, the Holy Spirit now indwells you. As you're born again, the Holy Spirit indwells us, Scripture says. And then he wants to come upon us and equip us for the work of the ministry of going out and sharing that love with those around us. So let him have his way with you. Uh, be encouraged in it. The days aren't going to get better. They're going to get worse. Scripture tells us. <laughs> We're in perilous times and nowhere in Scripture does it say after that, oh, that everything got all better. <laughs> I wish it did. I wish it did. You know, if you want to write a Bible, you could write that after the other verse, but uh, it isn't going to work because uh, it's God's ways. But be encouraged that we can stand in these days as we stand with him. God is good, and he loves you. <laughs> uh, Father, thank you, uh, Lord, for your goodness to us. Thank you for your word. Lord, we see all these things, and we realize how off the mark we go so often and so quickly. Uh, we see Israel just finishing a war and going back to a camp, and the first thing they did was something that, that probably wasn't the best. It wasn't awful. It wasn't uh, so outrageous that, that war had to be declared against them, but it was the start of something that was going to be an issue. Instead of doing what you said, they compromised. And, and Lord, we see that in our own lives. Well, I know I haven't been right with you today, Lord, but I know you forgive me. And Lord, all we're doing is compromising what you've said. What we really need to do is, Lord, forgive me because I'm a sinner. And Lord, have your way with my heart, please, and change me uh, into that image of Jesus. We're image bearers here to bear his image, so Lord, help us in that. And only your Holy Spirit can do that. So indwell us, keep us, Wash us afresh. Wash us in the water of the word. Cleanse us from all unrighteousness and walk in your ways. We just thank you for it because we know that you're faithful. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. <laughs>